bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I always get excited when we reach a milestone number, even if it's just 10 more than 130. It's now 140, so I'm celebrating. I'll take anything. We're still socially isolating currently, but this is Corinne Nidja, your host, talking. And we have been isolating now since, I think, March 18th. At the time of recording, it is... May 11th. And this week on the show, we had Jennifer McAdam. We are doing another Raising Vegan Kids episode because I think a lot of parents or new vegans find it really worrying to make that decision for their children for lots of reasons, for family pushback, all of those concerns that our society has about vegan children and raising babies and young children as vegan in relation to their growth and meeting their developmental milestones and all of those things. So I just wanted to have a lot of vegan parents on this show to talk about their own experience raising their children vegan and what that's been like for them and the struggles and the challenges and how they eat and what they eat so that people listening can perhaps have a bit of a catalogue of families who've done this already that give them that reassurance that they're on the right track and that their kids will be okay. And personally, I just find hearing these stories reaffirms my values and my commitment to raising healthy, vibrant, thriving, plant-based kids from birth all the way through. And I know Dr. Michael Clapper has talked about that he has raised and supported genera- you know, generational families of you know, mother and children who've then gone on to have children of their own, plant-based families, and has found them all to be so healthy and thriving and vibrant and no danger at all to them in relation to their health if they're eating a diverse plant-based diet, including things like supplementation of B12, but otherwise just a wide variety of whole plant foods. So Dr. Michael Clapper's episode is 168. If you want to go back and listen to him, he's talking about that, but lots of other things in his episode. And I really love his episode because it's quite generalist. It covers so many of the, but what about calcium? What about soy? What about protein? All of those kinds of questions that family members will have all in one place in that episode. It's a really great place for anyone who has has questions or concerns or fears and wants it all answered in one spot. So Dr. Michael Clapper's episode, yeah, episode 68. But Jenny is talking all about her kids. She has three children, age six and twins that are age two. And we met through, I think, the local vegan play group. Yes, that's right. The, we met through the vegan play group and have formed a really lovely friendship. She is such an incredible advocate for the animals in a way that I really admire as someone who gets a bit 
nervous about rocking the boat or being outspoken. Jenny has such a kind, warm manner about her that really keeps people on her side when we're talking about animal cruelty rather than kind of getting angry and defensive and making people feel like their choices are cruel and make, and, and then angering people. It's very easy to push that, push people a little bit too far when you're talking about animal cruelty and veganism. And Jenny just walks that line so kindly and does it by just bringing out all this beautiful plant-based foods and sharing them with people and creating events and building community around this beautiful food that she makes that just happens to be plant-based, just happens to be vegan and also so and is so delicious. So Jenny is so good at that and bringing people, uniting people around food and then saying this food's all vegan and it's so simple to make and educating people about how easy it is to make that switch and how cost-effective it can be and all of those things. She's also an excellent advocate for low waste and human rights and environmentalism. She's just an all-round awesome person who I'm so proud and glad to have connected with and to now call my friend. So I am um, so grateful that she made the time today to come on the show and I hope that you enjoy hearing her vegan journey and her experience raising her three beautiful children. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Hello, Jen, and welcome to the show. Hello. This is such an honour and a privilege to be on your show, you amazing human. (laughs) You are too funny. The privilege is all mine. Uh, Jen and I have spoken about you in the introduction about how we know each other. I'd love to if you could share your story about how you went vegan. Okay. So I was a very unlikely vegan. I was the manager of a kebab shop. Um, I was very passionate about my meat eating ways and I was definitely not going to change. Um, When I met my now husband when we were at university and I was 19 and he was 22, he had already read a lot um, of books on Buddhism, um, environmental issues, human rights, animal rights. He was donating to several human charities, animal charities, and he had a vision on how he wanted to live and a part of that was to eliminate animal products from his diet and I thought it was lovely and it was sweet but it was not for me and I said to him he's welcome to do that but I wouldn't and if we were going to stay together and have children together they would certainly be eating meat because my family are cattle farmers and um, I grew up in this environment where my grandparents had this property and that was just seen as a normal part of life I didn't really like to think about it so I just didn't think about it but I just decided everyone else was doing it so it was okay and um I didn't directly take the animal's life. I just went to the shops and it was already sort of pre-packaged and I didn't have anything to do with that. And that was it. I kept sort of pushing these thoughts out of my head for a long time. And ultimately it wasn't a great big, I've never watched a full documentary of animal cruelty. I couldn't, of animal suffering. I just couldn't do that. And now that I'm vegan, I don't need to. I feel like that there for people that don't understand the industry because which is probably most people who do consume animal products because I don't think anyone really would willingly and in the end it was just a small article that pushed me over but more than anything it was Michael saying to me do you really agree with your choices because I don't think you do 
And I said, don't talk to me. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to. And he said, no, like we have one life and don't we just need to live it honestly. And that was it. He was right. And I was always vegan. I, I would never have supported that industry if I saw even seconds, even moments of what those animals went through. So it was always me. I just hid it for a long time. <laughs> I have met Michael and I love Michael. And the more I hear about him as a person from you, the more I just think, wow, because it's rare to find, to find anyone in our society still that thinks that way, but to find a man, because often men are, it's more, there are more women in the vegan movement. Oh, yeah, um, for a long time. Naturally. So to find men that think like Michael, that are empathetic and that are saying, you know, you, you are a vegan, like look at your values. Your values are kindness and compassion. Like in your heart you are a and vegan. I was, I was such a human rights advocate. That was another thing that was, it was a contradiction because I was standing up for human rights in all these different ways and I was so against violence and suffering and yet I was sitting down to consume it multiple times a day and this was something I could quickly cease taking part in. I couldn't eliminate the trafficking of young girls or I couldn't stop, um, you know, suffering and death by AIDS or poverty in Africa or, but I could literally stop that suffering and violence in its tracks just by eating something mm. else. It's, 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 it's incredible. So it a pretty simple thing, but it was a big shift for me. It was huge. And that's why I do understand the complexity of it. But I also think there's a lot more information out there now. So it is becoming harder to just bury our head in the sand. The media, it's all out there. It's available. Back then, 10 years ago, when we first started sort of phasing out animal products, it was still pretty easy to say that in Australia it's not like that and in Australia we do it right and even yeah, even my family I've got that are in the animal agriculture industry have said they're pretty horrified by a lot of things that happen in this country. It's certainly not the way it was done in the past. And so I guess these ideas of what the green fields and the good life that we think that animals have even before their death is not really a reality when we look at the the true information that's out there. Mm, I guess the thing is when our grandparents started breeding and farming animals for their body parts and their secretions, they just what we just there was first of all there wasn't the population that there is now, and there weren't the the consumption wasn't as mm. great. You know, the demand wasn't as great, and so once the demand the population increased and the demand increased. It was impossible to keep those animals in beautiful green pastures and fields. And and the change of um, then putting them on trucks. So a lot of animals were never put on a truck. They were, everything happened on the property. They were never in that stressed condition. They were never, so it was still the unnecessary violence of their death. And the types of feed that they received mm. as well. And the antibiotics and the hormones and all of those things have massively, massively altered And then the well. amount of people that are needed by the industry and the sort of backgrounds they come from and the trauma and the consequences of being involved in that violence that is part of it and how that impacts them. You know, the bigger the industry the more people that need to be behind it, the more people that need to directly be there mm. in those in the abattoirs and the consequences of that emotionally, mentally, and the corner cutting and just, yeah, it's a really tough thing that we don't want to think about it. And like I said, for a long time, I refused to think about it. Mum said as a child they used to hide things from me, like on the farm. They wouldn't usually tell me things entirely about the kittens that were 
unwanted and therefore disposed of, etc. They just tell me they ran away or things like this. So they knew I, there was a sense. This was the same for me. The same for me. When I was literally seven, we had this dog that we got this puppy and he was so cute, a border collie, and we had him for about five months and then he ran away. And I looked for him for years. Like I looked to him for him for years. Like and when I was eighteen, I took a friend, like this guy friend on my farm. I took him for a walk around our property and I was like, This is where I think that our dog his name was Difa, Difa dog. Difa ran away. This is where I think he ran away. And I came back into the house and my elder brothers were there and my dad was there. And I was eighteen. I said I just took Damon around the farm. Um, to show him the farm, and I, I showed him where I thought where we thought that Difa ran away, and they all started laughing. And I'm like, "What?" And they go, they just they were just sniggering, and they were, they were both all laughing. And I was like, "What?" And I've been looking for this dog for literally years, and they're like, "He didn't run away. Dad shot him because he was chasing the neighbor's sheep, and he's buried under the wood heap." And I was just, and that happened so many times, so mm. many pets that my dad shot that they just didn't tell me about. And I was like 18 when I found out that they were yeah. I was in a fantasy land. And I think that were. hiding hiding from children is a really interesting kind of aspect because, you know, we encourage children in so many ways to love animals from the moment they're born with the stuffed teddies we put in their cots and with the books that we read them and with the pets that they might share their home with. And we really encourage that love. And then we show such a strange contradiction and baffling contradiction in many ways. When we say those same little animals that we sing about, we just allow such a horrendous, you know, fate for them. And we choose to just to consume their body parts really. So it's, it is, and then it, it's kind of you can get eye rolls as being someone that decides to sort of abstain from taking part in that. But the reality is, those same people will be the ones buying the cute animals or at the petting zoo saying how cute the animals are and telling their children to be gentle with the baby lambs. And so it is, it's a really complex area. I do think in in our hearts, pretty much every human, they know they don't want to know about this industry. They don't want to look at it. We don't want to see it. We could never work in it. But um. One day, yeah, it came to the point where I thought, well, I couldn't do it with my hands and I wouldn't. I wouldn't kill that animal to eat the chicken, the roast chicken. So I can't get someone else to. And how did that go with your family when you made that choice? Oh, they said, oh, Jenny. <laughs> we did think the day would come. <laughs> they saw, So they obviously kind of saw it in me. And then mum at one point tried to say, oh, when you were a teenager, you sort of tried to be vegetarian but I didn't actually I said what's funny is I didn't I was mid-20s really when I because I I'm all or nothing I'm either in or I'm out so I was quite stubbornly anti-vegan you could probably say (laughs) because once I was in I was all in like if I didn't let that truth in it wasn't part of my mind and I could stay detached but once I acknowledged it it was just all there and once I I know that something is truthful I can't then remove that from my mind and forget so um, and then being a parent I think that's a really important part of how we raise our children that we want them to have awareness and then we make their decisions with that awareness so we don't want them to push down a whole reality which is exactly what goes into making our food and our and those food products and so it's even more important for us to be really honest about that absolutely so what was your diet like 
before you went vegan? For people who are listening, some people think, and I want to always clarify this because I think people think that many people come and they were already eating basically salads and vegetables and maybe some steamed salmon, but they were but they were otherwise really healthy. And so it's not a big switch. But many of the guests on this show prove that it's all walks of life, big barbecue lovers, big grill lovers. Yeah, massive barbecues. Literally the week before, like we cleaned out the freezer and had this massive barbecue. My brother still goes, I can't believe, I remember that barbecue and I'd never seen so much meat. And I was like, oh my gosh, please don't talk about it. But I said, we were cleaning out the freezer. We just, at that point, there was still an emotional disconnect. We knew we had to change, but we could still consume it until it was gone. Um, But I think back now and think, oh my goodness. So it was definitely the bulk was animal products, the absolute bulk. I wouldn't make a salad ever. To be honest, I still don't often make a salad. I love veggies, but I'm not in a really, on a really hot day, I can have a salad. But yeah, it was definitely meat and three veg. It was chops with boiled vegetables. It was ham steaks with boiled vegetables. It was schnitzels, it was sausages, rissoles, uh, spaghetti bolognese. It was very standard, stock standard Australian typical diet, I think, really. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds just like my childhood. Yeah. And like at the kebab shop, sometimes they'd make a kebab with just meat. Like, oh, yeah, that was just all very normal. And so what was the struggle at the start for you when you first made that switch? What what was the things that you were thinking far out? I miss this thing. Oh, well, what was amazing was even just going and buying the veggies and the nuts and the beautiful sauces and herbs and going pretty quickly, this food is way better than anything I was eating before. (laughs) Because I think I went from that pretty minimal flavor and then realizing all the things you season animal products with that you love like basil and satay sauce and teriyaki and that's all vegan. Like all your seasonings and flavors and those beautiful things that we love, they're all vegan pretty much. So you can use these products to make veggies and lentils and tofu taste delicious and have this beautiful lightness in your gut that I've never had. And so in a way, I was really grateful that I grew up on that really average food that was not exciting because I'd never eaten better even simply just with a big nutty stir fry with rice or rice noodles through it and pad thais and, you know, simple curries and veggie stews and so, so yummy. Yum. I I love all of your – Jen posts lots of her food to make food – she makes vegan food look not only really delicious but super simple when you're a mum, especially a mum with three kids and twins. And I think, yeah, trying to get the kids to eat it as well is a big thing because we're foster parents. We do respite foster care. I think that's been a really helpful thing as well in allowing us to work out what kids do eat. We've had a lot of kids coming with trauma and the agency uh, did say to us, look, um, it's important for these kids to eat familiar foods. And we're like, we're absolutely happy with them having some more processed vegan foods. It'll be vegan in our home um, unless it was a baby that was on dairy formula. That was the only sort of, you know, that thing that we, it was, yeah, not really an option. But for all the children eating solid food that they would have um, vegan food in our house. And, uh, yeah, at the beginning, so it might be some more veggie sausages or schnitzels, a bit more processed than what we'd normally have. But I realised, yeah, we had kids for five weeks, a four-year-old, nine-year-old and ten-year-old, who had no idea that they were eating vegan food and they ate so well and the agency were asking us for recipes because they'd been refusing to eat one of them in particular and they'd had a lot of struggles and suddenly they were 
really um, excited about their food and they were doing, they were thriving. So it really showed me you can make that accessibility. And then over time, I would increase the veggie content and reduce the mock meat content or the processing, you know, but like, that's why I think the starting point is to go with the familiar and then you have more room to kind of move away from that. Mm, Absolutely. And so when you, because I think a lot of women, especially, I'll I'll ask two questions, but when you, because you're a mother of three, you've got a grade prep grade one, grade one. yeah and then grade one and twins. two-year-old little two-year-old so when you decide and for me i decided when iggy was i don't know august to january what's that five months yeah i decided when iggy was five months old that he was going to going to be that i went vegan and that he was would also be vegan but there are so many people who have so many ideas and information and advice when you're a mum or a new mum. And, you know, when, when you were pregnant with Henry or when Henry was just starting onto solids, did you get a lot of people worrying that he would be getting enough nutrients, that he would be able to grow properly, that he would be able to get enough calcium, protein, well, iron, all of those I things? Think- Something terrible that happened after Henry's birth health-wise for me that ended up being a blessing in regards to people um, being really supportive of our plant-based diet was that I had two um, secondary postpartum hemorrhages and I lost uh, nearly five litres of blood in the week after Henry's birth. So that was like your usual body content's not much more than five because I was pregnant and you have extra. So that was, they were both life threatening. Like I was very lucky to live through the first and the the second was pretty much a miracle. And the amount of, I needed transfusions from that and a lot of things, they basically told me straight away, I have no milk. They said, your milk won't probably happen because your body is just trying to keep you alive. Within a week I was feeding Henry and I was completely fine and my levels were fine. And the doctor came in and he said to me, what's going on here? Like, are you really fit? And I was like, I hate exercise. Like I walk sometimes, but he's like, do you have an amazing diet? And my mum was sitting there and she's like, she's vegan. But before this, she was kind of worried about me being vegan, you know, although she knows Michael, my husband's very particular. So he'd always kind of make sure we're getting everything like we've got. But, um, he said that would be it. He's like, you're extremely healthy. Your levels, I've never seen levels go back like this. And I had a full milk supply and I fed Henry for two and a half years. And I was really grateful for that. And I never had any further, like my iron levels were right back up, which was pretty much unheard of. It is unheard of. I had a friend with a postpartum hemorrhage and her milk, she just struggled and struggled and struggled and had to supplement and then had to stop it six months because she just couldn't get them back up. Yeah. So, so that's that's really, really, really exciting information. Uh, yeah. I, I am always hesitant to say like it was because I'm plant-based that that happened. Like I think I was like, I'm yeah, quite lucky and I've got quite a healthy body, but it absolutely shows that years of being plant-based and how strong my body was. So all those myths about iron and calcium and stuff are just, the kids are thriving and Henry has never consumed any animal products ever. So, cause yeah. And that was a, an issue. My parents were a bit worried about the kids never having a party pie at a birthday party or not having the birthday cake and yeah, dad never having a sausage roll. Like he was quite worried about that. Oh, bless. My beautiful dad. I did send him a message because I was quite upset. I was very pregnant and I said, he's going to be a vegan baby. Dad's like, what? I know you're vegan, but what about a sausage roll? And I just sent him a message after that. And I thought about it. I said, dad, I think if you sat me down as a kid and asked me if I wanted to eat a pie with veggies from the garden, or I wanted to eat a pie that was made from an animal that suffered and was scared and was killed and chopped up and cooked 
you know what I would have chosen. And I just hope that you can support that. And he wrote back and he never usually backs down. So this is very, he wrote back, I know exactly what you would have chosen and you're right. And I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and they've never tried. So that's really lovely. Well, I think, yeah, I just thought about, and it is such an obvious dad knows what I choose. We pretty much know what every child would choose. They would never choose that fate if they saw even 10 seconds of what happens to those animals they would never choose that it was actually some mums in my mum's my parents group that said that to me um omni mums that said our kids would never choose if they knew they would never choose to eat animal products you know and for them to say that they're like you're choosing what actually kids would choose like what they would choose so when there's this notion of choice come about we're like well and there are actually two vegetarian families and the dads weren't vegetarian and they did agree the vegetarian mums for no meat to be fed to the children until they're old enough to fully see and understand how that those products are created, which they agreed was about 10 to have the emotional intelligence, you know, eight or 10 to know, which I thought was really interesting when it comes to that notion of choice. Mm. Mm. It's difficult, I think, when you have a partner who's not vegetarian. Mm. It's so hard. like that, Or not yeah, vegan yeah. because, yeah, for me with Ranjit, I just could see that Iggy was so curious and it just is so hard in yourself when you love both mm, parents mm-hmm. to, you can't, you don't want to believe that your dad's quote unquote bad or making a, a, an unkind choice. And so it's, it's very so easy. I could see that I, Absolutely. Iggy would, Iggy would have definitely wanted to eat animals if Ranjit had have kept eating them in front of him because he just wanted to be like his dad and to eat what his dad was eating and if his dad loved this food so much that he would kill an animal for it I guess Iggy would think that it must be so delicious I have to try it too the curiosity it's hard enough the grandparents that he loves and the cousins that he loves and the friends the friends that he loves his little heart and his confused mind and he goes they one day will be vegan won't they or the world will and we're like well people more people will be but we make our choices and I never say to him it's okay that people consume animals because I don't think that supporting that industry is actually something that we are teaching our children is okay. We're, we're teaching them quite the opposite. So we don't say it's okay, but we do say that we can't control the decisions of others. We can live by example and we can be, feel really empowered by our own decisions. Um, but it's really hard navigating that and having our kids feel, still feel hope and not feel heartbroken all the time. Mm. Yeah, it is really, really, really tricky to navigate that question i think because you know when you just when your parents are eating like when mike he loves my kids love their mm, grandparents same. too and when they're eating these foods that are with animal products in them in front of our kids and they're like you know why aren't they vegan when are you going to go vegan nana and pa mm-hmm. why aren't you vegan and and i have to just say it's because they've because all they've known growing up is that animals are things and not friends and so they can cut themselves off from the suffering of things because things don't suffer yeah. but friends do that objectification you know? yeah of the thing rather than the being yeah the soul the heart yeah. the yeah, it's yeah. An object so yeah. which is what i had to see yeah. them as well i kept consuming them as well <laughs> yeah same 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 so for your kids has it been, have there been struggles or has it been difficult to raise vegan kids the main part is absolutely just that heartache that they can't understand why when kids could eat a vegan ice cream 
or animals could buy vegan sausages, you know, things that kids like, like those, or at a party, you really can't tell the difference between a vegan sausage roll or a, if you put a veggie sausage and you wrap it in pastry and you serve it with tomato sauce, as we make for all the parties, because all the um, non-vegan kids ask for our vegan sausage rolls, they taste exactly the same. You know, you really can't. So Henry's completely baffled by why you just don't do that. And obviously that's not a whole foods anyway. Like, so it is a processed food, but it's processed regardless. So why process with the cruelty when you can just process with the plants <laughs> if you're going to have those treats or when you're going to have those treats? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so the hardest bit I think is just that kind of heartache because vegan kids don't miss out on anything now. They Henry actually is really proud of our food and he actually feels sorry for people that don't get to eat our food quite often. He thinks he's quite lucky. There was one party where he did want to eat a white chocolate mud cake and he did stick his hands in it. He was two years old and I took him straight home. He was just having a little bit of a meltdown. And my friend even made a vegan cake, but there was also a non-vegan cake. But it was just that moment and it was – but just like anything with parenting, his behaviour was completely inappropriate. There was no way and he didn't need it and there was absolutely no way that was something that was going to benefit him to have or to – so I just, yeah, we handled it and – he looks back at it now and he thinks it's kind of a bit cheeky of him. But he well, was he was two years old, old no, Jen. Was, yeah. <laughs> well, he, bit, he actually finds it kind of a hilarious memory, to be honest. <laughs> he's like, what did I do? I was like, you stuck your hands in it. Um, he's like, hmm. Yeah, I really want to stop. He was a baby. They would have looked amazing, I'm sure. It was a beautiful-looking cake. Did, yeah. probably I think it was the cold white mud cake, it. let's be honest. Um, pretty <laughs> basic, but when you haven't seen it, it looks great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's food's food. Cake's cake to exactly. kids. It's so hard when they're two years old to see cake and not well, get and to Well, and I think that's it. the thing, like he was in a mood when we got there. And, like, that is definitely another thing that you have to be prepared and you definitely have to get your cook on when you, you want to, you know, when you um, change to a plant-based diet because – yeah, you want to be there with cake every time. Like you want the kids to not be, they don't mm. need to miss out. But although now it's so easy, you can drop by Woolworths and get the brownie and take it with you. Like it's at the local mm. supermarket, you know, like there's so many options mm. of things. But I think you never go empty handed and expect the kids to stand there. And that's another thing that I'm quite passionate about. Although we do eat a predominantly whole foods, plant-based diet, I absolutely think if a child's vegan any other restrictions are going to make their life really hard so as any other absolute restrictions so i think it's great to have a bulk but i think for example having zero oil or a zero sugar or a zero processing attitude is really difficult because that's not about the animals or the environment or the, the heart of the notion and it is something that i feel would be much more likely for them to react to that and rebel because that is absolutely um they would see themselves as missing out you know whereas yeah it's very tricky so for our kids this is similar what we we definitely educate on the health so the health you know sugar we know sugar and refined grains diets high in those contribute to obesity and lifestyle disease lifestyle diseases and chronic illnesses so we talk about that kind of thing and gut health and those foods feed the bad guys and Plant, whole plant foods feed the good guys. But I agree with you. When we go into a birthday party, if there are really fun things, and I'll make sure that the kids have something, a, current, a food currency that's kind of equiv- equivalent to them, that's vegan. And that, and that might be chocolate and that might be, you know, cakes or a lollipop or something that's going to make them feel like they're not missing out. Because if my kids ever felt like they're missing out, I'm – 
I would be fearful that they'd be more likely to rebel against veganism altogether. Yeah. And I think the good thing about eating a really good nutritious and whole foods-based diet at home is that's what the kids then crave. So that's like the two-year-olds, that's kind of all they want to eat. Like They're not really – I mean, they have got onto chocolate. They are pretty excited about Chocky Chocky. But Henry, if he'll have something, but he'll then want to go home and actually eat good food because he can actually feel it in his gut. So he's very in tune. He'll, in, he'll indulge in it and enjoy it, and that's totally fine. But then he feels much better, so he knows what he feels good on. So then he'll be like, what can I have that's, that makes my stomach, my tummy feel good? Like, and we'll, we'll roast some sweet potato or we'll, you know, like he'll we'll make a big veggie soup or like – he'll have something that big smoothie bowl or something because, um, yeah, that definitely makes him feel better. Mm. It's interesting how I found, and I've mentioned this so many times, but like I never knew that when I was a kid. I never knew foods that made me feel yuck. I just felt average all the time and that averageness was my homeostasis. You know what I mean? Like that was was just the way it is. And our kids, because they eat so well so much of the time, they – they notice when they eat that food and like Thea will say, I got a headache when I ate jelly mm-hmm. beans, yeah. you know, or I got a tummy ache when I ate that. Or this is too, Iggy will say to me things that I never thought a kid would say, such as this is too sweet. Yeah, Henry mom. says that all the time. So he'll have a bite, but then he'll generally give it to me. Mm. At a party, he'll have a bite of a cake or two, yeah, and same. then he'll pretty, he'll often just give it to me. <laughs> yeah, which, which blows my mind because as a kid I was like, nothing is too sweet. Give me all of the thing. I will eat until I'm going to be sick. Well, and I think my parents <laughs> were quite good in the home of not giving us too much junk, for example, but also we, we were quite we, – we struggled financially quite a lot. So I think I thought it was about money. So I think I thought those foods were special because they were expensive, you know, things in packages. Mum also made everything from scratch because we couldn't really afford to buy, but now it's so cheap to buy the processed, right? So I think I thought they were – I didn't, we never talked about the health. We only talked about that, yeah, their treat foods or their foods that we, so I just thought they were these special things, yeah, that we um, couldn't afford to have all the time. There was, I didn't actually think of it not being good for my body. (laughs) That's probably a bit true for me too, actually. I never thought of it like that, but that is kind of, they were treats in a way because they were added on to the necessary grocery items. Mm. And when you got them, it was like you were, yeah, spending money that you could didn't have on these extra food items. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Okay, so how what would a day of food be like for your kids now? So um, in the morning we often would have oats, like a great big bowl of oats. If it's summer, we do smoothies and actually the kids love smoothies. So like what I do is if they – bite into especially the twin the toddlers if they bite into fruit I don't I can't stand waste so and they leave the apple I'll just chop it up chuck it in the freezer so we have a whole lot of frozen fruits and I'll just turn it into a smoothie with some plant milk um, just the frozen fruits and plant milk and always a frozen banana because that gives us the, the beautiful creaminess and sometimes I'll add some almond butter or peanut butter if we want into there depending what they've had during the day if I think I need to bulk it a little bit and they'll have yeah, a smoothie either for breakfast or sometime during a snack during the, for a snack during the day, and they'll have their oats. They also do really like wheat bix, so that is something that we do buy. That's you know a bit more of a processed cereal, but like probably one of the best out of all of the commercial cereals that you'd buy. And the fact that their kids are growing, it's something easy they can grab. Like Henry can have four, four or five of them now, and he eats a really good diet during the day. So like when he's that hungry and he wakes up in the morning, like. And he just doesn't want porridge again because we're pretty big fans of porridge. And he's like, he needs variation. <laughs> he thinks it's a cafe. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll do that. Or um, 
yeah, there are main things like lots of fruit in the morning. We do really like fruit to start the day. And like on the weekend, we do like a hot breakfast often with like oven roasted tomatoes and mushrooms and then like, like avocado on sourdough or yeah, there are main things like maybe some roasted potatoes as well. And lunch would usually be like some leftovers maybe from the night before. So like some soup or stew or yeah, if I've made like a bit, some beans and things like that. Sometimes we do like toasted veggie sandwiches, leftover roast veggies in the sandwich press with some wholemeal bread and sometimes avocado. And yeah, if I'm really slack, we'll just do a smoothie for lunch. Like that's where with whole lot of seeds, like chia seeds and other other seeds and things in there, nuts sometimes. And then dinner is our hot meal usually. So that's where I would do um, like uh sort of veggie, like lentil veggie shepherd's pie with mashed potato on top of a like really yummy gravy veggie stock base with veggies and lentils. If we're having people over, I might. So pastry I think is great when you're transitioning to plant-based and it's great when you've got guests over that are scared of plant-based foods because yeah. <laughs> you can chuck something in pastry with a whole lot of beautiful roasted veggies and everyone's happy. So it's not something we really consume that much on a day-to-day basis as a family but it's a go-to absolutely when we have guests over or it's a special occasion like it's Christmas. It always looks special like when you make a loaf with pastry or some mushroom lentil pastries and give them to people with like you say roast veggies and gravy and they feel like they're having something special. Yeah and I think a lot of it is the bulk, so what's in it. So if they're eating all the good stuff and they're having a bit of pastry, I'm not as concerned of them just eating pastries. Like I wouldn't feed that to my kids if they're not eating the inside Absolutely. of the good stuff, you know, the stuff that's in it. If they're just eating it, I'm like, mm, probably not. I've just found a whole wheat calzone. Oh, I saw calzone. you post that. Calzone is. Recipe. And, like, it's it's so easy and it's – um. So delicious, <gasps> and so now I'm just that, that's gonna be my go to. Obviously, it tastes much, much healthier than your store bought pastry, but I mean, it gives you that feeling, comforting, yeah. Feeling that pastry well, I actually, gives and you, I can't really but it's eat just pastry whole, and it's so, so that sounds amazing, yeah. yeah just the more, yeah, no, it's so good. the more you take that stuff out of your diet, I actually can't eat it, I can't really eat anything yeah. fried, yeah, like same. a mouthful, and I'm like, it's not, <laughs> which is amazing, um, because yeah, it is really interesting how it does change and the things you crave and like a great big like again it's what we first went to that beautiful like flavorsome nutty stir fry with on rice or on quinoa is absolutely my favorite meal in the world pretty much (laughs) I would eat that again and again yes last question would be with regards to nutrients and nutrition what are the things that you are concerned most about for your kids on a plant-based diet? Well, we consulted with Candice Borg, the naturopath from before Henry was born and through that first pregnancy and then with my complications and since um, a little bit here and there, but she's been pretty happy with us. So we've like we've only been kind of haphazard with it, but I'm not really concerned because I just look at what they eat and like I'll make a massive thing of like hummus full of tahini, which is just packed with calcium. Like you can't get, I'm doing half a cup of tahini with some, um, with a, a tin or two of lentils and some lemon juice and a little bit of rock salt and, um, some water and it's amazing. And they're eating it with veggie sticks and, you know, we put, often they'll have some crackers as well like some rice crackers or some corn thins or something. But like that's kind of a snack and I just think, well, straight away that's great. Like so even if I'm roasting veggies at night and they're having it with a hummus and sometimes I'll do like a roasted – I'll chuck some roasted beetroot into the hummus or roasted sweet potato. 
And I just think I'm not concerned. I look at Henry's lunchbox and I see fruits and veggies and seeds and like a bliss ball made out of seeds and again, like tahini if they can't have butters, uh, nut butters and stuff at school. And, um, you know, he'll take a whole half an avocado with some salt and lemon juice on it with a spoon and he'll, yeah, I just see all that life and color and that beautiful food. I was saying to Mark the other day, the plant food is so beautiful. It's telling us to eat it. Like it's like we see it and it's so beautiful. And I just see all that life going into their bodies. And our little Dorothy, who's our little miracle baby, our, our twins were born prem and Dorothy was only 1.2 kilos. And she's just incredible. She just slams a whole bowl of like spinach leaf, like anything that I've got in my plate, she'll come up and eat. And they'll just eat a bowl of dal, two bowls of dal, and they'll eat all the salads and veggies. And they are just radiant and strong. And despite being little prem babies in the NICU, they've never had any complications. They've never really been sick in two and a half years. And yeah, I, I just see their strength and I see their vitality. I think I see the color of their skin and I see their bright eyes and their beautiful, delightful, curious, very trying natures. And I can see their brains buzzing and I can see them thriving. And I think that's, that makes us feel really proud of the life that we're giving them both for their body and their minds. I feel really, really proud. The best thing we've done being parents, it's not just being parents, it's being vegan parents. It's the best thing. Like I, Michael and I feel so lucky that we did this, that our kids are being raised like this because straight away they're, they know to listen to their bodies. They know to listen to, they know to be aware. Sometimes they'll be different that they need to um, show courage. They need to understand sometimes they'll stand out. They need to have a voice, but they also need to be, you know, accessible and, and gentle and compassionate to humans and animals. And we're modeling those examples. We're not just telling them, we're actually showing it every day with action. And in that way, it's actually a really simple way of ticking off all these things that we want to do as parents because, yeah, we're showing it to them every day and they're, and they're seeing us choose it and that's in, enabling them to choose it. Yes, I love that. And I completely agree. For me, raising our kids vegan was the absolute best decision we ever made and it is like the best, yeah, the best choice we've made as parents is to be vegan parents because they are compassionate. You know, when we go out in nature, they are seeing the animals as their own individual beings and not just seeing them as humans play things, you know, things that we can poke and prod and touch and make ours. They're seeing them as beautiful companions that walk the earth with them and it's just so nice to see them with their hearts wide open to these other creatures definitely and not wanting to harm them Mm -hmm. we have two little rescue bunnies in our house and we adopted them from the local rabbit runaway orphanage and one of them that came to us was quite traumatized but we just let them roam free range we have our house very secure because they do chew everything so we have all the cords wrapped up etc but we just let them do their thing and people come over and go, oh, can we hold them? And we're like, they don't actually really like that. Um, and they're like, oh, but in kinder, they usually just sit there. And I'm like, that's when they're so stressed. They're too scared to move. Like a rabbit would normally never sit like that. They lounge when they're relaxed. They lounge free in a very long position. They'd never sit like that in that agitated state that you normally see them in petting zoos and kinders, etc. cetera. Um, but Henry has slowly, slowly had this um, create this connection and bond with one of the rabbits that will come right up and not cuddle right into him, jump on his lap and want those snuggles. And there's that trust that's been built. And for a very active, robust, uh, hyperactive child, that's often very hard to calm, seeing him be able to 
calm himself with our beautiful little bunny and the reaction with that animal is actually incredible. Um, we've had other kids come over actually and pick our rabbits up by their ears or, you know, just try and grab them and, and really demand to hold them and to, which I think, like you were saying, as a society, we just think we can have everything and we can see how it will use us or serve us rather than actually just letting nature and that encompassing animals and others just be and do their thing and they're not just there for us to use. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So what would be your top three tips for anyone listening who is wanting to make the switch or is concerned about making the switch or just wanting to to do it the right way? Yeah, so I absolutely think having that backup, like we had the vegan naturopath or there's um, a man, there's amazing people that you can consult like Amanda Corinne. Have you had her on? Amanda, the is she the herbivore, like the Amanda, I'm trying to think of her exact name, but I know a lot of families refer to her and she gives you really great like outlines of like, you know, meal plans. And I don't know stuff. her, but I'll add her to the show. Yeah, notes. I think she'd be amazing. So we're already with Candace and we're really happy with her, but I know a lot of families because Amanda does Skype. So you can be wherever you are and you can contact her and she's amazing. But I think definitely having that expert, even though I felt like we didn't really need it as such, it's re- it was great for my family. So mum felt a lot better knowing that I was consulting an expert. She felt a lot more confident knowing I was getting blood tests and I was being checked and everything was being monitored. So that was really great. And that made me much more confident to talk to my parents about this and just for them to have our back and to support us and respect us. So I absolutely think having that just straight away reduces a whole lot of combating, you know, like and conflict. So I think getting the experts on board, um, enjoying food is really important. So finding foods that you love and enjoying getting in the kitchen, cooking. And like I said, at the beginning, it might be a bit more of a processed diet, but then over time, you definitely want to get that back to a whole foods approach, but it's a great start. And the third one would be um, being friendly. Uh, Being friendly, but firm is really important. You need to be strong in your convictions. If you don't believe in yourself, it's very hard for others too. And I think you're totally reasonable and fine. Um, to be making these decisions beyond reasonable and fine. It's absolutely normal and natural. And I think it's really important to back yourself. I think as soon as you start creating gray lines, it becomes really confusing. So I've got quite a lot of friends, um, yeah, who have debated this about. So they're chosen to be plant-based. I'm not sure with the kids, but I think the kids, I can often see the confusion on the kids' faces because they're like, well, is it okay or is it not okay? And they're like, well, you choose. And the kids are like, I'm three. I actually don't know how, or I'm five. I can't choose. They can't ethically choose. So I think that hesitation about choosing for your child when actually if they're choosing based on pleasure uh, and choosing to support a violent action based on pleasure, is that actually something that we want to support? So I think that clarity of boundaries is really important. Um, I think grey areas do just, yeah, create that confusion because Henry's now quite distressed when he's consumed something accidentally because of, he knows what that means. And so I think me supporting him is him is me supporting what what he now I know would choose, but even as a two-year-old, what I also would have known he would choose. So I think, um, and us, we for ages, we ate cakes at parties. So we were vegetarian. We are vegan at home, but not really. We're plant-based at home. But we'd eat cakes at parties for social reasons. And then when we came out as vegan, like out of the closet a year later going, actually, we don't really want to consume any animal products. Our friends were like, why didn't you tell us? Like, that's fine. And then they started making amazing vegan food and we'd invite them over to share food all the time. And it wasn't a big deal. We made it such a bigger deal than it needed to be. And soon it was, as it was done, it was done. 
So this this whole hiding, hiding was just such a weight on our shoulders. Like the absolute sense of freedom when we could honestly be ourselves was unparalleled to anything I've ever felt. So if you want to do it, just do it. Yeah, and the thing is, is that we make so many decisions for our kids anyway. Mm. Like people, th- people seem to think that making decisions about food is controlling, you know, morally or, yeah, controlling or whatever. But we make decisions about the education, the schools, so many big major decisions as parents. Yeah, absolutely. You would you would think that one that's just like let's decide to be kind wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be it would be a no brainer. But it's just interesting how we've decided that it's controlling when we are their parents. We control when they go to bed. We control their baths. We control their screen time. We can make so we make so many choices for children because they're children. And we confidently make those decisions in many ways and we think it's totally fine and people are absolutely about, no, seven o'clock in bed, et cetera. Whereas those things, seven o'clock or if they're in bed at eight, mm, in the whole world, it's not really going to cause any harm. But the fact is there is direct harm and suffering and violence created by every animal-based meal. That's just a reality. So really we're like, it's the same way we teach our children. We don't hit. We also don't kill animals for food. We don't pay others to do that. So it's a stance against violence that's consistent because if we're trying to teach to be kind and to be gentle, we need to teach it consistently. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me, Corinne. Amazing humans. Jenny always calls me this when she introduces herself to me oh, to other people. I was like, introduces yeah. me to other people. <laughs> she is. I'm like, do you know Corinne? This is Corinne. Stand here for five minutes while I give you a rundown. <laughs> but you'll need more because yeah. she's got so many wonderful attributes. Oh, you're so funny. Uh, thank you. I love you. We love you very much. Thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on the show. I absolutely love chatting with you as always. I hope that you got some value out of what Jenny was saying. And I know I, I always take so much away from every single guest on this show, but I love the way that Jenny makes this subject just such a no-brainer, as I said at the beginning, and delivers it in such a diplomatic, caring, kind way. Yeah, and I, lo- I also love how she just unites people around delicious plant-based food, which is just such a wonderful way to get people on side and get the people's support around veganism and raising kids vegan is just to feed them well, <laughs> which, is just the tr- which is the truth. So feeding people well and making it delicious and simple is one of the best ways to get people to eat more plant-based foods and to eat less animal products and to make that transition slowly or quickly if they can obviously education and those types of things as well but definitely we all love to eat good food and jenny makes the best food so if ever you're blessed enough to get some food from jenny you'll know what i'm talking about if you're in the dandenong ranges i recently set up a plant-powered dandenong ranges pod um, group meetup group so we'll be doing lots more whole food plant-based meetups once all of this lockdown is over or eased a fair bit, so I'm looking forward to those. I'll be definitely, if I haven't already messaged you, Jenny Mc, Jenny Cameron, I'll be messaging you about what to do from here because I am just going along blindly, but I will um, be connecting with Plant Power Melbourne and Plant Power Ballarat and looking into running some really awesome events either in collaboration or Getting, gleaning some ideas from the lovely Jenny and the lovely lovely Catherine Collier from Plant Powered Melbourne 
and plant-powered Ballarat. Otherwise, our program is starting tomorrow. The Cravings Support Program is starting tomorrow, May 19th. So if you haven't got your ticket, you can get your ticket for as little as $1. We're doing it via donation so that no one gets has to miss out because of financial hardship at the moment. And if you're having a problem, if you're having any issues with carbs, fats, binging, biscuits, cookies, all of those things while you're in isolation and the stress of isolation is causing you and the loneliness of isolation is causing you to snack more than you usually would. Join us. We'll be doing weekly Zoom catch-ups. We'll be doing giving you menu plans, shopping lists, support, motivation, a whole heap of activities actually, journaling, meditations. It's going to be a really, really fun 30 days. So Make sure to join if you haven't. The link is in the show notes to join. I'd love to see you there. Otherwise, I'll see you all next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the